Chapter Eight of A Man of Honor by George Carey Eggleston. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. Miss Sudi makes an apt quotation. My friend who writes novels tells me that there is no other kind of exercise which so perfectly rests an overtasked brain as riding on horseback does. His theory is that when the mind is overworked it will not quit working at command, but goes on with the labor after the tools have been laid aside. If the worker goes to bed, either he finds it impossible to go to sleep, or, sleeping, he dreams, his mind thus working harder in sleep than if he were awake. Walking, this novelist friend says, affords no relief. On the contrary, one thinks better when walking than at any other time. But on horseback he finds it impossible to confine his thoughts to any subject for two minutes together. He may begin as many trains of thought as he chooses, but he never gets past their beginning. The motion of the animal jolts it all up into a jumble, and rest is the inevitable result. The man's animal spirits rise, in sympathy perhaps, with those of his horse, and as the animal in him begins to assert itself, his intellect yields to its master and suffers itself to become quiescent. Now it is possible that Mr. Robert Pagebrook had found out this fact about horseback exercise and determined to profit by it to the extent of securing all the intellectual rest he could during his stay at Shirley. At any rate, his early morning ride with Cousin Sudi was repeated, not once, but every day when decided rain did not interfere. He became greatly interested, too, in the Virginian system of housekeeping, and made daily study of it in company with Miss Sudi whose key-basket he carried as she went her rounds from dining-room to smoke-house, from smoke-house to store-room, from store-room to garden, and from garden to the shady gable of the house, where Miss Sudie set the churn every morning, a process which consisted of scalding it out, putting in the cream, and wrapping wet cloths all over the head of it and far up the dasher-handle, as a precaution against the possible results of carelessness on the part of the half-dozen little darkies whose daily duty it was to churn. Mr. Robert soon became well-versed in all the mysteries of giving out dinner and other things pertaining to the office of housekeeper, an office in which every Virginian woman takes pride, and one in the duties of which every well-bred Virginian girl is thoroughly skilled corollary good dinners and general comfort old auntie cooks are always extremely slow of motion and so the young ladies who carry the keys have a good deal of necessary leisure during their morning rounds miss sudie had a pretty little habit as a good many other young women there have of carrying a book in her key basket so that she might read while aunt kizzy I really do not know of what proper noun this very common one is an abbreviation, made up her tray. Picking up a volume he found there one morning, 
Robert continued a desultory conversation by saying, "'You don't read Montaigne, do you, Cousin Sudie?' "'Oh, yes, I read everything, or anything, rather. I never saw a book I couldn't get something out of, except Longfellow.' "'Except Longfellow?' exclaimed Robert, in surprise. "'Is it possible you don't enjoy Longfellow?' why that is heresy of the rankest kind i know it is but i'm a heretic in a good many things i hate longfellow's hexameters i don't like tennyson and i can't understand browning any better than he understands himself i know i ought to like them all as you all up north do but i don't mr robert was shocked here was a young girl, fresh and healthy, who could read prosy old Montaigne's chatter with interest, who knew Pope by heart, and Dryden almost as well, who read the prose and poetry of the eighteenth century constantly, as he knew, and who, on a former occasion, had pleaded guilty to a liking for sonnets, but who could find nothing to like in Tennyson, Longfellow, or Browning somehow the discovery was not an agreeable one to him though he could hardly say why and so he chose not to pursue the subject further just then he said instead that is the queerest virginianism i've heard yet you all it's a very convenient one you'll admit and a virginian don't care to go far out of his way in such things you will think me critical this morning cousin sudie but i often wonder at the carelessness not of virginians only but of everybody else in the use of contractions don't for instance is well enough as a contraction for do not but nearly everybody uses it as you did just now for does not do don't lecture me cousin robert I'm a heretic, I tell you, in grammar. Do don't is the richest provincialism I've heard yet, cousin Sudie. I really must make a note of that. Cousin Robert, do you read Montaigne? Sometimes. Why? Do you remember what he says about custom and grammar? No. What is it? He says it, remember, and not I. He says, they that fight custom with grammar are fools. What a rude old fellow he was, wasn't he? Mr. Pagebrook suddenly remembered that he was to dine that day at his cousin Edwin's house, and that it was time for him to go, as he intended to walk, Greybeard having fallen lame during that morning's gallop with Miss Sudie. End of chapter 8